Hello and welcome to Adam Analyzes. My name is Adam and I'll be your host. Coming up in just a few days, it is Valentine's Day and I normally try to do episodes that go with the particular holiday that's coming up or has passed or is on the same day as release. So this year, it's slightly different. As you know, if you're a regular listener, this episode is a few days late. However, it did manage to make it a little bit closer to the holiday at hand, which I mentioned is Valentine's Day. And as we all know, it's supposed to be one of the most romantic days of the year, this and that. It's the one day a year you can tell your significant other that you love them. Or, to be more correct, show that you care, love, and appreciate them. However, you definitely should be doing that more throughout the year. And that's what brings us to tonight's episode. A film that has a lot of people that love it and a lot of people that really don't like it. It's become quite fashionable to say that you do not like this one. Even though, I would have to say that even if you don't like the story, you have to really admire the filmmaking on display. But before we get too far ahead of everything, I think it's time we announce the movie. Starring Leonardo DiCaprio, Kate Winslet, Billy Zane, Kathy Bates, and Bill Paxton, this is the 1997 James Cameron written and directed Titanic. First thing for this episode, I'm not going to go ahead and give a plot synopsis, basically because this is a movie that practically everyone has seen, and if you had any interest in seeing it, I'm assuming that you would have done so by now. It's nearly 25 years later, and that makes it a perfect opportunity to go ahead and see the new re-release version of this film. Take notice I said that it's almost 25 years because it's not actually 25 years since this one has been released in theaters. It's actually 24 in a couple months. But it seems like what a lot of people would consider one of the greatest love stories on screen, not my words, however, that is the opinion of a lot of people. Fox decided it was a good idea to release this one right around Valentine's Day and we missed the mark of the true 25th anniversary. But honestly, that's okay. It's close enough to 25 years, so let's call it the 25th anniversary. As for me, this is the third time that I have seen Titanic in theaters. I saw it once when it was released all the way back in 1997, which is hard to believe because back in 97, I wasn't even driving at that point in time. I also saw this one when it was re-released in theaters the first time in IMAX 3D, Now it's been remastered in 4K, and I'm assuming they had to go ahead and redo the 3D conversion process. For the most part, the movie looks almost exactly the same as the last 3D remaster, so if you're expecting something to be super new or a brand new experience, you're probably not going to get that unless you've never seen it in 3D before. With that said, I think that Titanic is actually a great 3D conversion. It's a conversion that has a lot of depth to it, which is actually how I prefer my 3D films to look. I don't want things really popping out the screen. Sure, that can be fun for like a horror film or something like that. But the way that the 3D is used here is near perfect. It's similar to the recent re-release of Jaws in 3D where they simply provided a lot of depth to the whole image. 
and it really does make it fun to experience a film in a brand new way. Overall, on viewing this one, I probably have seen it probably about six or seven times since it's actually been released. I don't revisit films very often, I try to, but instead of revisiting an older film, I like to actually experience some new things. But it's always nice to revisit something like this, especially in the theater and in this new third dimension, because there's always something new to experience even on a film that you think you may know from start to finish. And that's for me, every time that I watch a film I can think back to maybe the first time that I saw it, and with experiencing Titanic for the first time in many years in a theater, I feel like this is the appropriate place to experience such a film. It definitely is big budget blockbuster filmmaking, probably at its best. For me, it's up there with a lot of the big summer blockbuster films, even though I know this was released in December of 1997. It really is up there with James Cameron's previous blockbusters up until this point, such as Terminator 2 and True Lies. We also can't forget Cameron's other films such as The Abyss or Aliens, even though I was a little bit too young to see those in theaters. It's a film that doesn't just stand up to Cameron's previous work, but to other blockbuster films such as Jurassic Park or some of the other various Star Wars films, even though I kind of using that term loosely with Star Wars. Since, as we know, the sequel trilogy definitely had some issues and made the prequels look better by comparison. It's just a different type of blockbuster. As a matter of fact, Hollywood tried to replicate this wrapping a love story around a big event and disaster with the Michael Bay directed Pearl Harbor. I feel that Pearl Harbor is honestly the same film as Titanic. Since it's a love story wrapped around a disaster, it seems to hit the same beats. And if you really do want to compare the two films, Titanic is the better movie and I think it proves James Cameron's strength as a writer and director. However, the writing on display is not necessarily James Cameron's best effort. Of course, the same could be said with Avatar, where it's a movie that's very good visually, however, the actual story and dialogue is a little lacking. If anything, I feel that James Cameron wanted to direct almost an old Hollywood-style love story and disaster film. He does manage to merge these two together pretty well, as this movie is over three hours long and yet it feels pretty brisk, as I never really felt that the story dragged, and it always feels engaging even when it's largely not. I would have to say that this one is actually almost perfectly edited. He really did a great job. He is one of the editors that is credited for the film, and he never loses sight of either the love story or the action at hand. I would say that a lot of the intense moments towards the end of the movie are some of the best things that James Cameron has ever done. This comes from somebody who is, for one, not a fan of his Avatar films. I have not seen the second one. I probably will someday. I just don't really have an interest in it. And I would have to say that my favorite James Cameron written and directed film is probably the original Terminator film followed by Terminator 2. But just because that I dislike his Avatar films or have a love for his other films, 
it doesn't change the fact that he really did feel like he put everything he had into Titanic. As a matter of fact, the success of Titanic is actually what led him to make the Avatar films. Well, let me put it this way, it allowed him to get the budget to be able to make the Avatar films. The most impressive thing is that Titanic holds up really well almost 25 years later from its original release, especially with the special effects. I think they still look fantastic. There is a mixture of practical as well as CGI effects on display, and the CGI holds up really well. I almost feel like this is the last time that we had this big spectacle style of filmmaking, even though I know Cameron would later top it with Avatar. That was one of the things that I was thinking of when I was watching this in the theater. It was that that's the one thing that I'm missing from a lot of films nowadays. I'm missing that scale and spectacle. And I really don't think that Cameron topped it with his own Avatar film. A lot of that scale and sense of wonder seems to be missing from many Hollywood blockbusters nowadays. And that might be one of the reasons why it feels like films themselves are dying. Well, not films, but theaters in general. As we know, the film Titanic is not perfect. The romance between Jack and Rose is definitely Hollywood fluff. It's a bit on the cheesy side. It doesn't make it any less engaging because this is a film, it's not real life. But I will say that there is a big similarity to the way Jack and Rose fall for each other and how people in a Hallmark film seemingly just fall for each other. It makes me wonder if, for one, James Cameron has created the biggest budget Hallmark film of all time, and also did Hallmark base all of their films off of the romance in Titanic? I mean, if we're being honest, probably not. But it does seem very similar to something that you would see in those cheesy films that they like to show all the time that somehow people seem to eat up. So, while the one thing that this film is really known for, such as the romance aspect, that's probably the weakest aspect of the film. And honestly, the fact that this is a love story isn't really a detractor for me. I know that a lot of guys will not admit that they liked the film, but those intense moments are super intense, and as I stated earlier, it really is some of the best things that he's ever shot, and it just shows how good of a director he is in the ability to set up these shots that make us feel like maybe there is a slim chance of hope, even though we know there really isn't, since the actual sinking is inevitable. Another reason why I think a lot of people maybe dislike this film is because of the ending. Now, I never really got the fact that Rose dies at the end of Titanic. Of course, she's over a hundred at this point. I think they said she was a hundred and one. But I never really understood that she actually dies at the end. And it seems like her spirit goes back to Titanic. It is supposed to be a sweet ending and it's supposed to be a very meaningful ending because she is throwing the heart of the sea diamond. She's throwing that back to Titanic at that point, meaning that it should be with everybody else that have perished as well as the boat itself. 
it's a little cheesy. I understand why James Cameron thought that this would be a very poetic thing to do. However, if that piece of jewelry was so rare, she could have easily given it to her granddaughter just so that her granddaughter could have had a better life. After all, she was taking care of Rose all of this time. And it's almost as if the ending is a little bit bitter towards her actual family, and I understand. It's supposed to be that Rose fell in love with her one true love on the Titanic. However, it just seems a little disingenuous to her actual family. I mean, I honestly understand the ending, and it is a little bit on the overly sweet side, with some pretty fantastic transitions. Which, speaking of that, I really do enjoy the transitions in this film. I like the way it blends. I really do like the way James Cameron merged the past and the present together. So I honestly think that it's easy to say that Titanic is not without its problems. It's not a perfect film, but it is a great blockbuster and the greatest example of James Cameron's direction, as well as being able to merge fiction with fact. Oh yeah, I almost forgot the one thing that seems to have just recently come up again, probably because of this re-release of Titanic, not quite 25 years later, but it is the 25th anniversary, the fact that Rose doesn't make space for Jack on the door. And I don't know if the door actually could have held them both, because he does try to get on, and it seems like it flips a little bit. So maybe having him on the door might have weighted it down too much, and they both would have been in the water at that point. Not as much as what Jack was originally, but I don't know if it would have worked or not. It does seem like there was space. It does seem like it could have worked. However, because if we really think about it, we know that Jack had to die as it would have changed the entire wraparound story of Rose telling her story. And who knows if he would have lived, would it have actually worked out? We don't know, because it seemed good at the time. It seemed great because she was getting the type of life she thought she wanted. But would they have actually been happy together afterwards? Who knows? The other thing to me in this film that doesn't quite add up, it doesn't make sense really, is the fact that there are villains in this film. One of them is kind of the captain himself because he's worried more about his reputation and since this is his last voyage well captain smith is almost a conflicted villain because he doesn't know if he wants to arrive a day ahead of time or not so he allows himself to be seduced by the devil in this case it's someone named bruce ismay to make the titanic go a little bit faster I don't know if that story is true or not, or if this is one of those fantasy things that may have been inspired by an actual event. Who knows? All I know is that it's kind of handled a little bit goofy, and it doesn't really work. For me, it never really stuck out the way it does here. I don't know, it just doesn't feel right, and I think that's where James Cameron maybe should have worked with another writer to try to go ahead and make this feel a little bit more natural. 
But in reality, I don't know, watching it again, it really just didn't feel right. I mean, I guess something always has to have a villain, but it doesn't really feel like this film should have had an actual villain in kind of chronicling something that was a terrible event. James Cameron's Titanic may be the ultimate Titanic film, and for good reason. It looks authentic. I think the production design on this film was absolutely outstanding. The fact that they were able to recreate different things and model them after the real Titanic was absolutely incredible. If you look at some of the photos and such of Titanic, you will see that everything is pretty accurate to what they were. So that's actually what I was getting at earlier where if you don't really care for the movie just based off of the love story alone, of course that's at the heart of the actual story, so to speak, you can at least appreciate what James Cameron was able to accomplish because even after 25 years later, or close to it, the film really does hold up. As a matter of fact, it holds up better than a lot of other films from that particular time period. I feel almost like it's a type of filmmaking that we will not get again, even though I know that people would argue with me about Avatar and its sequel, Avatar The Way of Water. But for me, honestly, it kind of marked the end of that great big budget era of filmmaking. I'm going to close out tonight's episode. As a reminder, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Adam underscore analyzes. If you don't do the whole social media thing and want to reach out to me, you can do so at adamanalyzespodcast at gmail.com. You can catch up on past episodes at adamanalyzes.com. And if you're enjoying my podcast, why not tell a friend about it? Tell two friends for that matter. Or if you have a free moment, I would greatly appreciate it if you would leave a five-star rating at the podcast listening platform of your choice. It'll allow me to continue to create new episodes as well as reach new listeners. But with that being said, remember to always be kind and good night.